this is Matt Peters, and it has been far too long since last we spoke. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me once again. I got a great show lined up for you today. My guest is the one and only Dave Martin. For those of you that listen to our work on the Digital Dumpster Diving Podcast, you know Dave very well, but you may not know some of the things that he's going to talk about today. Of course, he's the head of Agents of Game, and because of that connection, Dave and I actually got to travel to CES this past January, where I sat down with him and we talked about a little bit of everything. Uh, we also got a chance to record a Resnaculous segment for you guys, so no D this time, but I promise next time we have something great for you. It may or may not be live from a Chicago Nerd Social Club event in front of a live audience, so get ready for that. Uh, next order of business... I want to give a shout out to my friends over at the Versus the Universe podcast network. They have a Patreon going on right now. Uh, Once again, for those who listen to Digital Dumpster Diving, you already know about this, but my listeners may not be aware that Versus the Universe is doing some amazing things in the Chicago area. I plan on having some of those folks on in the near future, so get ready for that. Also, in the background, I'm sure you've noticed by now, you've probably been distracted while I've been talking. I have a musical guest, the one and only DJ Vela Sef. For those of you that listened to Cast Today back in 2015 and 2016, you know Vela Sef very well. He's the genius behind my theme music. He's a great producer and he's a local Chicago guy. So get out there, support Vela Sef. You're going to be hearing more from him this episode, I'm sure. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Martin. All right, folks, I have a special treat for you today. Uh, it's uh, food fun because this is our Resnaculous segment on uh, since last we spoke. I have a very special guest with me today, and we are recording live from Las Vegas, Nevada, the one and only Dave Martin. How you doing, Dave? I am doing very well, and how about yourself, sir? I'm doing great after that uh, little treat we just had earlier, man. So we went to uh, this amazing place here in Las Vegas. I should also mention that uh, Dave and I are here for uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is, uh, that's another story altogether, which I'm sure you guys will hear a lot about, uh, one place or another. <laughs> so Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what what you're involved in right now? Okay, so um, I am the Editor-in-Chief and Company Factotum for Agents of Game. Uh, we do our own little podcast and websites and other random stuff, and I... I am fortunate to be on a podcast called Digital Dumpster Diving with one of the most fantastic people ever. I can't remember his name. Neither can I. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get to that a little bit later. Right now, we're going to talk about Sweets Raku. Now, uh, as as the listeners know, uh, usually Dolores and I are trying all kind of crazy snacks. And she's getting really mad because I haven't uh, given her anything good to try yet. And I just broke the streak today. But unfortunately, she's not here, folks. So <laughs> Dave is going to have to be the uh, the de facto uh, royal taste tester for what we experience. So, all right, Swiss Raku, it's a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, you know, you hear about all these great Vegas spots. You hear about Fremont Street. When you hear about, you know, all these wonderful resorts like Mandalay Bay, this is uh, right in the heart of Chinatown. So, uh, just to give the listeners a little background, man, all right, so we drive over there in the Uber, <laughs> and the Uber driver is kind of like warning us off of Chinatown a little bit, 
because of the stereotypes everyone is familiar with, or if you're not, you shouldn't be, because that's, you know, incorrect. Um, <laughs> but it's the various things that you run into, uh, you know, the various parlors and such that people partake in in the Las Vegas area. Uh, you know, people like getting massages. That's that's all I'll say. But it, it away from all of that noise, away from all of that, there's this little spot. There's a restaurant called uh, Raku. And it's a very popular uh, Japanese fair restaurant. They have a spinoff, which is called Sweets Raku. And that's where Dave and I decided to go tonight. Um, so, Dave, why, why did we venture out so far, man? What, what prevented us from trying something a little bit more close to uh, Fremont Street, which is where we're stationed out of here? Well... It's always nice, at least in my opinion, to try things that are a little bit different. You can get... Steak is great. Don't get me wrong. Steak is great. Steak is great. But you can get steak anywhere. Yes. Uh, you can get McDonald's anywhere. <laughs> I, I don't recommend anyone doing that, but you could. <laughs> uh, but it's nice to try places that are relatively unique and stuff that you can't find on a normal, just jaunt about your local town. Right. And this is something that not only was unique... But when I heard of it, it sounded like it was delicious, that the presentation was really cool, and just something that I wanted to try, and something that especially I thought you would like to try. You know what? You're right about that. And this is something that's a little more highbrow than we normally do on, on our Resnaculous segment here. Uh, and the reason for that is because our first choice was unfortunately shut down. So folks, if you're coming to Las Vegas and you're looking forward to coming to Mermaid's, and trying the deep fried Twinkies and the deep fried Oreos, what have you, they're gone. Uh, unfortunately, Mermaids shut down. You know, and we're right off of Fremont Street where we're staying, and a lot of the things in this area shut down because Fremont Street, if you're not unfamiliar with Las Vegas, is the downtown area. Right, right. It's, it's, it's also known as Old Vegas. Yes. Yeah. New Vegas, where almost all the development is now, is the Strip. Right. And so Old Vegas just has not retained its former glory. No, it hasn't. But it still has that little charm of uh, 20 million flashbulbs just going off all the time. <laughs> you know, just injuring people with seizures and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all that aside, back to the, to the subject at hand here. Sweets Raku. Um, we go in and it's this just charming little Japanese snack shop. You know, it feels like something that belongs more in San Francisco. Um, and you go and there's this giant, like, dessert wine collection just encased in glass. And that's very intimidating. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the waitresses peeks her head around the corner and she's like, how many? You know, <laughs> just kind of just jumping out at you. Um, and one of the first things I noticed is just the, uh, the, the look of the place. It's just so clean. You know, everybody had on uniforms and everything. And what I really admired, too... One of my favorite things in the world, that their uniforms involve Kangol hats. And it wasn't just like perchance, like some of the girls had Kangol hats on. No, they had like Raku engraved in the side of the hat, too. So yes. it was dope. I was I almost asked if I could get one of them. I, I did too. We should have. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we, we need to go back. <laughs> we were just gobsmacked by the by the atmosphere and the whole experience. But what was one of the first things you noticed when you came in there? Well, uh, it was the same thing. Um, I I like going to places that I describe as being a hole-in-the-wall place. And even places like that can have really good food, but usually they don't strike you as being the most clean or aesthetically pleasing place. This was incredibly clean. Yeah. It was beautiful. The countertops appeared to be marble. Yeah. I think they were. Um, and one of the things that... 
when they set your silverware for you, they have these little silver-colored things to hold them so they stay off the table. Right. Um, and we noticed halfway through eating that apparently they use those exact same things as the surfacing for the back wall and a little decorative curtain around the upper area of the the food preparation area. Well, so it was like very intricate tiling that they yes. did with these little uh, plates, the silverware plates. Yes. So yeah, it was really cool. The silverware was very fancy as well. Like really, one of the first observations you made when we came in was like, I feel like we're not fancy enough for this place. <laughs> I'm not worthy. And <laughs> <laughs> totally, but they, they did a lot to make us feel at home and that was cool. They were super friendly, super engaging. Um, of course, we said it was our first time there, so they broke down the menu for us and everything. And the way that you order is, uh, they give you the option of getting, uh, like, uh, what is it, courses. Yes. So you get a, 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 a sh- what is it, a sherbet course? What was it? Yeah, and that's, uh, it's, it's basically their item of the day. Right, right. Today was tiramisu. Yes. Um, and you can get that as part of a two-course dinner. Right. Um, where you get that and then another dessert of your choice. Or you could actually order regular entree food as well if you wanted to. And that looked pretty good, but uh, we were going for the desserts. Right, you know, because we're doing this for you guys. We wanted to get the dessert done. Make sure we let you know what we think about it. And we were not disappointed, at least with the presentation of it and everything. I don't want to speak for you, but man, just watching them uh, do that right in front of our face, you know, just it's, it's basically... Um, the kitchen is wide open to you. You see uh, the preparers just making the food right in front of you. Every little detail. Like, there's some things that take a little bit longer to make, so they're not doing that, but they have it just visible, you know? Uh, and it's it's a sight to behold. It's almost like being uh, at a sushi counter, you know? It's very and, cool. Uh, well, it, it, was, it was fun to watch them prepare it. And at the same time, every time I would see them making something, I said, I should have ordered that. Oh, no, 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 I should have ordered that. Oh, that looks good. <laughs> and then you find out, oh, that is what I ordered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, what did you order, man? I ordered the Mount Fuji, um, which basically they have uh, a small cake that I would describe as kind of like a little short cake mm-hmm. uh, with some cream, then another cake, then more cream, and then like a whipped cream. On top of that, and then they drape it with something. Yeah, it's you know even watching them make these desserts, it's it's kind of difficult to tell exactly what's going into them. So it looked like there was like a uh, they they say it's it's a fluffy sponge cake with chestnut cream cake. That's mm-hmm. how they describe it. But uh, there was a little bit of the cocoa powder that went on top of it. Mm-hmm. There was some confectioner sugar. Uh, they were putting in this this decadent piece of chocolate that just looked like it was marble, almost. Yeah, they had two pieces of two different kinds. One was like a little cookie that was super super thin. I'm talking maybe like construction paper thin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or uh, sorry, more like cardstock thin. Um, and then they had one that was like a chalk a thin wafer of chocolate thin. Um, and there was also. For lack of a better term, what looked like, you know, the, the Play-Doh hair. The little <laughs> machines that make the Play-Doh hair. Yes. They had something comparable to that to um, put like a, a creamy string stuff on top of it that was incredibly rich and absolutely delicious. Definitely, yeah. And I, I sincerely appreciate you letting me take a bite of it because, man, it was pretty great. 
Um, all that practice over the years growing up that you had with the Play-Doh Fun Factory is finally coming in handy, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, that, that girl was just kind of squeezing it back and forth on top. But she, she made, I want to say, like four of them at a time in front of us at one point. And she was so good that they all pretty much looked exactly the same. So they, they have it down pat. Uh, there's nothing dirty left on the counter. There are no dishes that go untouched for too long. Um, everything is, like, super fresh, you know, and not in just, like, the uh, the jocular way. Just, yeah, super fresh. No, it's, <laughs> it's like, super fresh right there in front of you. Um, yeah, there's, there's no uh, Hell's Kitchen environment, but they all just know what their role is there. I was very impressed. Oh, I should probably mention what I ordered. So... <laughs> I went with the uh, two course, so I got the tiramisu. Tiramisu was very good. Um, now, uh, as, as we were discussing at the restaurant, you're not a coffee drinker, um, but if you were, I would highly recommend this. But since you're not, yeah, I mean, it's like straight up just, it tastes like uh, jelly coffee almost with a little bit of cream in there. And that's a good thing. And and by the way, you know, we're describing some of this food, and I hope you really, peop- I hope you people take a look at um, where we have some of the pictures posted because we cannot adequately describe how amazing this looked. That's right. I, I've been posting this on my own timeline a little bit because I just couldn't resist. But when this episode goes up, I'm going to have uh, all these pictures for you guys on the, uh, since last we spoke, Instagram. you got to check them out. Uh, there's a little video of uh, one of the dishes being prepared, as a matter of fact. Um, and I'll, I promise I'll get to what I ordered right after this. So the Mars is yuzu mousse and chocolate cream with hazelnuts and assorted fruits covered with white chocolate uh, piece. Uh, it's a piece of white chocolate flambéed with brandy. So they get the Hennessy out. And you're thinking, okay, it's time to drink. <laughs> Not so much. They pour a shot of the Hennessy into this copper, little tiny copper pot on a stick. And she gets out this little, like, blowtorch. And she starts, like, flaming away at the freaking thing. And then she pours it on top of the... the the white chocolate shell, which is just uh, gorgeous, and it melts right onto the rest of the dessert, and it just, it looks awesome. Uh, the guy sitting next to us was, uh, you know, he was uh, willing to let me go ahead and film that, so you'll, you guys will see that too. And it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And again, I wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> it looked good. He wouldn't let me have a bite of that, unfortunately. <laughs> what I did have, I had the Ringo, and the Ringo is basically... Uh, a deconstructed apple pie served with honey ice cream and candy apple. And that description alone doesn't do it justice. The deconstructed uh, apple pie had the flakiest crust. Like she gave me a fork and a knife. I'm thinking, it's pie. I'm just going to use the fork. I would just use the fork. No, 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 no. That stuff was so flaky. It could have gotten away from me if I wasn't paying attention. Uh, the honey ice cream. The honey ice cream was great. It had some... Uh, some like chopped up pralines underneath it, I believe, uh, and a little bit of cinnamon sprinkled on top, and the candy apple. The candy apple looked like a Christmas ornament. It was so shiny. I didn't know if I was supposed to eat it or not. <laughs> but I decided to crack into it, and thankfully there was like whipped cream inside, so I knew it was okay. Um, yeah, and that's one of the things, as I mentioned, they didn't make in front of us because it looked like it just took such care to solidify it to be just the perfect shape and everything. Um, and underneath that, holding it to the plate was this little dollop of like caramel and it was, it was delicious. It was divine. I, I gave you a little bite of it too. What'd you think? You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed what I ate, but that, especially the deconstructed apple pie was, oh, oh 
Yeah. I, I was tempted to take my fork, stab you in the neck, and steal your dessert. I, mean, I would have changed the whole dynamic. <laughs> this would have been a very different episode. <laughs> but I'm thankful that that didn't happen. Now, you guys know me. I love a good cold glass of Coca-Cola. But this meal, you almost have to have water with it just to cleanse your palate for the next thing that you're going to put in your mouth. Coca-Cola would have been a little bit too sweet. But overall, this experience uh, and, and the waitstaff, again, I just... I can't stop saying they were just so fantastic. You know, they really did a good job at making you feel like you were, uh, you know, welcome in their in their spot. So, thanks to the folk at Sweets Raku, and um, yeah, if you're in Vegas, check it out. Just be ready to think you're lost. It, yeah, it was. Uh, I am glad we made the trip out there. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit more for you too. So, hey. We went to Jack in the Box afterwards. <laughs> Jack in the Box serves breakfast all day. Now, we're from the Midwest, so we don't have a Jack in the Box. Uh, I was telling you a story a while ago about my dad and just how crazy he was about those Jack in the Box tacos. So much so that when I was 10 years old and we went on a trip to see my aunt get married and I was in the in the wedding as the, uh, I was one of the groomsmen, um... He made us go to Jack in the Box at like 5 in the morning to get one of these tacos. Dad, I still don't understand. <laughs> My tacos are just okay. They put a piece of American cheese in there. I don't get it. I'm all about American cheese, but seeing it in a taco, especially non-melty. Right. It, yeah. Half of it's sticking out the shell. Not so much. No, no. I, I consider myself a brave man when it comes to food, but... I don't know about that. So I understand that everything is not for me. I get that. There are a lot of people who swear by the Jack in the Box tacos because it's been on their menu for at least the past 20 years based on my age. So, <laughs> and I say at least because you don't need to know how old I am right now. But meanwhile, Jack in the Box, they make a delicious breakfast burrito, which we partook in tonight. I mean, I, I liked it. It, it, it did the trick. <laughs> You know, I, it was uh, it was a lot bigger than I expected it to be. You know, a lot of times you go to other unmentionable restaurants, which you should never eat at, and right. their breakfast burritos are tiny. Now, sometimes they might give you two as a way to supplement it, but they're tiny. Yeah. yeah. And this was, I'm not saying it was Chipotle-sized burrito, but it was, it was a hefty, decently portioned burrito. Right on. Right on. So, that's our uneven review of places to eat at here in Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, we also went to uh, Oscars at the Plaza Hotel. We had a couple of steaks there, Oscar style. Uh, great atmosphere there. Um, the steak is—it's steak. I mean, you can't go wrong with steak. So check it out. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, man. I mean, it, it's Vegas. You're gonna find something good to eat in Las Vegas, <laughs> except at the convention center because you don't want to pay ten dollars for a average turkey sandwich. Well, that's just good advice all around. You don't want to pay for convention center food no matter where you're at. You're going to be disappointed with the quality. You're going to be mad at yourself because of the price and you could have bought a couple extra comics or something else on the show floor instead. So, save your cash. Bring some jerky with you. Get some food after. You know, just commune with your friends. With your convention friends. No, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Oh. Do not bring the jerky. Ah. That is incredibly aromatic for tight, <laughs> confined spaces. <laughs> are you calling me out on that? I acquiesce. You know what? You're right. You were 100% right about that because Archie and I used to bring this teriyaki beef jerky to conventions. <laughs> and our, our very own Jonesy 
would bring in some bacon jerky. Oh. And yeah, that stuff stank to high heaven. <laughs> but when everybody's eating it, it's okay. But yeah, the person that's left out, they probably feel pretty right. So you're right about that. That's good advice, folks. Don't bring jerky unless you got enough for everybody. <laughs> this is Matt Peters. Dave, thanks for joining me on this Snackulous segment. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Till next time, folks. Or you may hear me in a couple minutes. Anyway, take care. Thanks, sir. Thanks for tuning in. With me today, I have someone who I've really wanted you guys to meet for a long time. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we met a few years back, but you're going to hear about all that on today's show. Uh, you may know him from the Agents of Game website or the podcast. You may know him as the other half of Digital Dumpster Diving. Uh, the better half, because he does all the cool editing and stuff that you get to hear. So <laughs> I'm certainly not the prettier half, but on a podcast, that doesn't really matter too much. <laughs> the voice you're hearing right now is the voice of Mr. Dave Martin. Dave, thank you for being on since last we spoke. Thank you for having me. It's right good to on. be here. Right on. Yeah, it's like we didn't just talk for five minutes uh, a couple minutes ago. <laughs> it's the magic of radio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, of course, you and I right now are sitting in a hotel room in Las Vegas, and so many great stories start this way, so many movies start this way. Why are we in Las Vegas? Doing the geekiest thing you can imagine. We are here for the Consumer Electronics Show. <laughs> Indeed, it's been good, nerdy fun. Uh, we, we have been seemingly mocked by several cabbies and Uber drivers <laughs> for not partaking in some <laughs> of the, the local entertainment. That's very true, that's very true. You know, being two married guys, uh, one of us that has children, like, just being in Las Vegas is kind of a waste, almost, <laughs> because, you know, we're not heavy drinkers or anything like that either. Uh, we don't really gamble too much, so we do things like podcasts on Friday nights. Well, what better way to spend a Friday night? It keeps us out of trouble, and it doesn't cost anything. Well, at this stage, it doesn't cost <laughs> anything, but hosting and all that business. I digress. So... Of course, uh, since last we spoke, I like to uh, kind of give people an idea of your origin story, that sort of thing. So uh, if we could be any less organic about this, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> how did you get started down the path that you're on? How, 
how did you get started reporting uh, games and entertainment media, that sort of thing? Well, I was on a um, museum tour, and I was just taking some pictures, and this spider came down. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, but in, in terms of, uh, it, it's one of the things where, like, like almost everybody else, I grew up loving games. Yep. Um, they were how I spent the majority of my free time when I had free time, and the majority of my free money, aside from food. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just something I've always loved and always been interested in. And there's so many great stories within games and about games. Um, and about the entertainment industry in general, there's so much there. And I've always loved to write. Can't claim to be fantastic at it. But being able to con combine the two, um, being able to talk about a lot of this stuff, has just been something that's Kind of one of those dreams you always have. Yeah. And now I can do it. And part of it... Now, I have to be honest. Okay. I am fairly new to the podcasting game. Um, it's something I've thought about, but it's like, no, no one's going to want to listen to me. <laughs> I, I would love doing it, but no one's going to want to listen to that. Okay. And I went to a Wizard World Chicago Comic Con. What? And among other things, there was a certain man there named Matt Peters. Wait, wait, let me sip, let me sip my water. We got it. We got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wait, continue. And he was there, and he was in, you know, he was on a panel and talking about things. Had mentioned this ridiculous idea where he had spent the entire month of June, his birth month, <laughs> doing a podcast every single day for that month i know it's insane it's and so it's, crazy and you know i thought you know this guy's crazy i, I maybe i should listen it's got to be entertaining and i fell in love with the podcast and with what he did and i was like you know even if no one wants to listen to me it sounds like he's having fun I'm going to try this as well, and I'm going to bother as many people as I can who <laughs> accidentally listen in. Well, that's half the job right there. you got to bug people. You know, that's, that's it. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, folks, who, if this is your first time listening to me, you're stuck with me for the, the, the rest of the duration. That's right. <laughs> so, okay, so that, that kind of, like, uh, does give us an idea of how you got into the whole podcast game, and I'm proud to be part of that origin story there, but... Like, all right, so Agents of Game. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the name, the idea? Of course, uh, I'm proud to be Agent 13 uh, <laughs> of the Agents of Game family. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, the, the uh, overarching idea of Agents of Game. Well, one of the things I love to do is collaborations. Um, you know, I enjoy video games. And there are a lot of great single-player games, but most of us have a limited amount of time. And I would prefer to be playing with people in a cooperative game than just playing off by myself, which I do. But um, I think the same thing applies a lot of times to other things as well, to whether it be podcasting, um, working on a website, uh, creating videos for YouTube. That was actually one of the original ideas that we wanted to do a lot of was create group videos. Mm -hmm. um, and we have done some of that. Um, it's, sometimes it's hard wrangling people in for that. And especially our scripted videos. Because, you know, if you're in a scripted video <laughs> and you're an extra, sometimes there's just a little bit of sitting around and 
Yeah. Gamers aren't always the most patient group. You're right about that. Um, but I was in a, a, I had been invited to a Facebook group called Geeking It. Um, it's a closed group, and I'm not saying I would necessarily recommend you join because there's a lot of really random, completely inappropriate content. I've almost thought about quitting several times. Yeah. But as a member of that group, there are a lot of cool members there and a lot of members who are a little shadier. Yeah. Uh, but we were, I thought, you know, we should take this to more than just a group. There's, there's some people here we could do some really, really cool things. And so we were looking at it, and the name Geekinit was taken. Yes. As a website. And I had been putting feelers out there, and only a few people wanted to get involved. And most of the people who wanted to get involved are people who I knew before, rather than people from the group itself. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to make my own side group independent of that. Keep it less toxic than that group can sometimes get, um, and more inviting for people because some of the people there, yeah, just not the friendliest people. But anyway, I digress. Yes. Um, I thought, well, let's do something else, and I, I just made a list, and I, I probably had three hundred different names on there, and I tell you, the name, wow. the name is usually the hardest part if you're playing in a game where you need to name your clan or your guild or your group. The name is the hardest part. And I was going through, and one of them that just seemed to work was Agents of Game. Everyone likes spy stuff. Everyone likes games. Yeah. And uh, it, it just it just felt like it worked. It is catchy. You know, it mm-hmm. did jump out at me when I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the logo and everything, of course. Even wearing the logo on your shirt right now. So it's really cool. You know, I really dug it. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it just seems to be like a magnet for people uh, to come and just kind of glom on to the whole Agents of Game, uh, you know, uh, brand name, I guess. And it's it's cool to see it doing so well, man. So, you know, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I do want to ask you uh, just a couple of general questions. What's... what's 42. 42? And okay. purple. purple. Ah, oh, wow, interesting. I didn't expect purple. Now. <laughs> uh, what's, what's one of your favorite video games of all time? Ooh... Um, I guess if we're going back, I would say one of the most fun games I've ever played from the older genre would probably be Link to the Past. Okay. Zelda 3 was classic. Yes, um, yes. Now, please forgive me if I mess up the numbers on this. Okay. Um, Final Fantasy 3 for the Super Nintendo, which I believe is currently known as Final Fantasy 6. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask the listeners to fact check on that one because I didn't really get involved until 7. So luckily I was at, at the proper numbering at that time. <laughs> um, but that was, and still is, um, one of the best overall games ever made. The story was fantastic. The the music, they actually had oh, a yeah. CD yeah. of the game music that came out and I was I should have bought that. Um, modern stuff. So after that, though, you mentioned Final Fantasy VII. Wow. Um, we didn't get any of the new consoles after the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo. They were just. It was at a time when funds were tight, oh, things yeah. were expensive. Yeah. And I kind of got out of the new games. I still played, but I was just playing the older stuff. Um, and then eventually, when I was you know starting college, one of my friends had this game. You may have heard of Halo. Oh, that one. Okay. Um, for people who don't know, it's it's an, it's a first-person shooter game. <laughs> but but and it looked interesting enough when he was playing it. But then he invited me over to a Halo night. 
And some of you may be thinking, you know, you just have a bunch of friends over for a LAN party where you have, you know, maybe four, five, eight, maybe even 16 people playing. No, he would have 32 people going. Now, you can only get 16 people in each, in each system, <laughs> but he would basically have two sets going. Yeah. And it was euphoric. And that's what got me back into the game. I was like, I have to buy an Xbox. Man. And and I've been back in it ever since. That's pretty cool because, you know, when most people think of gaming, they think of it as a, as a solitary experience. But it's that communal experience that got you back into it after, you know, just kind of being away from the mainstream side of it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to point out. I mean, especially at CES, we kind of live inside of this bubble where it's just a known fact that everyone who you relate with uh, is into games. Everyone that you know is because of gaming. But you you know, the world perceives it as, oh, it's this kid sitting alone in his room playing Grand Theft Auto and running people over and stuff <laughs> like that. But in actuality, you make some really good friends through gaming. Seriously. And, you know, like I said, I prefer cooperative games. You know, the competitive games are good, too. Um, but you can... You can just build such camaraderie with people as you go through, you know, Left for Dead night after night on hard mode, trying to get through it. Yeah. And then finding out that you can just spam your pushback button forever, <laughs> <laughs> and finding the certain rooms, and then they patch it, and then now you have to figure out how to do it legitly. As <laughs> <laughs> a pro tip, there, folks. I want to backtrack a little bit because um, I know you mentioned in that former group that you were in that they kind of had a toxic environment. One of the things I admire about you and the guys at Agents of Game is that you do try to be as inclusive as possible. Like, where do you draw that from? Like, what inspiration do you look to with that? Um, I think all of us, no matter how popular we've been in our lives, I think all of us have had some of those moments somewhere where we weren't cool enough or we weren't tall enough or thin enough or we didn't have the right skin color or the right gender. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. That sucks when you have something to contribute and there's a group that looks like it should be a good place to do something and you can't be a part of that. And I don't want to be the person that does that to anybody. Um, that's just not cool to me. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's for that reason that whenever you ask if I want to collaborate on something, I don't hesitate. Because you make me feel welcome, you make me feel like I have a spot at the table, and that everybody is welcome to come and enjoy uh, the camaraderie of gaming. So, I appreciate you for that, sir. That's what I'm here for. I put you on the spot with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, I thank you for listening in. If you have any questions that you want me to ask, follow up with Dave Martin. Maybe we can ask him to come on again. Go ahead, tweet me on the Twitters, and follow me on the Facebooks and all that stuff. I'll make sure to answer your questions and pass on any questions to Dave as well. Thank you so much for listening. And Dave, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Right on, folks. And uh, hopefully it won't be too long until next we speak again. Take care. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We talked.